Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Welcome back to Out of Oz, a Building 28 church podcast where we confront the fantasies and fallacies of modern day Christian culture with compassion, conviction, and courage. I'm your host, Peter Tragos. With me as always is our pastor, Aaron Curran. And we have two of my favorite people joining us this afternoon. The doctor. The the soon-to-be doctor superpowers. Yeah, soon to be. Adam, it's it's finally nice to have another doctor at the table with you. There you go. (laughs) Doctorate in debauchery and uh, Middle Earth. There you go. Uh, But uh, no. That's it. uh, You guys, no stranger to the podcast, but a stranger to the podcast, but no stranger to our hearts. Doesn't feel like she is. That's the weird part. um, Miss Sheologian herself, Maggie Cyber. Hello. Hello, everyone. For those who are listening who don't know Maggie, because she does fly under the radar a little bit, unless you're in student ministry or uh, maybe a lady in the church she's been connecting with and instructing in the word um, or soon to be. But uh, Maggie is our communications director here, has also served in our student ministry department, still does, especially with the high school girls, and serves in a variety of different roles. So awesome to have you on the podcast, Maggie. I know you're going to kill it. Awesome powers, superpowers to have you as always, bro. Good to be here. Yeah. So today we're talking about anxiety. That's kind of the overarching theme of the episode, but we're we're going to mix in questions of depression, self-doubt, anxiety, fear. Um, the Bible talks a lot about these topics, which I think is interesting how often it's brought up in the Bible and tells us how to deal with it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. For people struggling with these kind of feelings and thoughts, what does the Bible say about it? How should Christians react to it? How should Christians deal with it in their own life, right? So Aaron, just, and Adam both, talk about how big of an issue this is in the church and people coming to you to talk about it. Well, I mean, I think it's, there's no secret. It's an incredibly prevalent issue, right? Um, I think the last stats, at least I've gathered, are in America at large, roughly 40 million adults admit to struggling with some form of anxiety disorder. That's that's around 18% of the population. So uh, Gen Z is the most anxious generation ever, Upwards of one third of Gen Z, so we're talking about mid twenties and under, say mm. that they struggle with uh, high levels of anxiety. And this was all; most of these stats were collected pre twenty twenty, so pre pandemic, <laughs> pre pre anxiety, yeah, pre worst year of in in modern history. There's an immense amount of this in society, and you might think one might think with uh, in churches to espouse a very robust view of the gospel and of the comfort that we have in Christ, that this would not be as big an issue, but it is just as big an issue in the church, um, or at least almost as large an issue in the church as it is in the world. I can't speak for Sunrise, but I can talk other pastors that I converse with, as well as our staff here, uh, and the people that I meet with. And there's constantly a barrage of, it's probably the number one rising issue, at least that I see in the church today, practically speaking, in people's lives. Hmm. There's so much to be anxious over. Um, There's so much to be fearful of, but fear is kind of this, as we know, present moment scenario, whereas anxiety is a projection toward the future of what, what is going to happen or what might happen or what could happen. And there's just so much uncertainty that we face today, as well as so many inlets to our souls, 
through by, by way of media and books and resources and conversations that so many people just carry around there. As a matter of fact, they don't know what a life free of anxiety looks like. So hmm. to me anyway, down here in Clearwater, it's a, it's a massive problem. It's not a problem at all in Newport Ritchie. Of course not. It figures. That makes sense. Yeah. It's really no, wrong. Nothing, be, nothing be anxious about. I don't know about. why I'm here today, actually. I, I, I think Trump's sure. still president up there. So, <laughs> No, yeah. I, I could affirm everything you said and agree to it. And it is a huge issue. It's a huge issue with those that are Gen Z, like you said. and It's not just Gen Z. Right. I mean, that, that, that might be. I mean, even I say that, I think it shows itself differently in each yeah. you know, demographic age group. Um, but people come to me all the time. In, in my office, whether it's just like a discipleship meeting or, hey, I really need help. And I, I've usually got, I don't know if it's like, like just a pre-existing grid just from dealing with people in our own church and my own life with this of three kind of groups I put all these cases in. One, it's like, okay, this is just normal. This is what we all deal with. This is the kind of anxiousness and anxiety going on. Second, all right, this is sinful. Here's where I think you're not trusting the Lord. And therefore, anxiety is your result. Then the third one, this is constitutional, meaning this is something that's legitimately lacking in your makeup, that's an evidence of a fallen world. Therefore, medicine is required. Here's, here's like jumping ahead, man. I mean, <laughs> oh, sorry. Well just, uh, that's just, just kind of the three things I automatically think <laughs> of when I think of this. Maggie, why do you think it's hard for Christians, right? Like, because we're specifically focused on focusing on people that have already trusted in Christ mm. today. Because we're not psychiatrists or psychologists, right. we're not we're right. not prescribing any medicine, even though we're doctors. Mm. Um, <laughs> but why do you think Christians struggle with this so much? Even some that know what we're going to get into and know what the Bible says about it, why do you think Christians still struggle so much with the unknown and the uncertainty and the anxiety just of the world today? What Adam was talking about, I just wanted to clarify. Are you talking about people who are like just worried and they're anxious and they're kind of frantic or people that really actually have? I think what I would say is most of the focus is going to be on things that people are unnecessarily anxious about. So okay. not an anxiety disorder okay. necessarily that are they're medicated and seeking a professional opinion from okay. a doctor, but more of just like your everyday anxiety. Like we're with some people this week and we talk to them and they have anxiety over decisions about what they're going to make at a job, even yeah. though both can be good decisions or anxiety about leaving their kids or, you know, those are all real things, but mm -hmm. I don't think necessarily to be, should be medicated in yeah, my yeah, yeah. professional opinion. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so why do you think that is? Why do you think Christians still get anxious over so much, even though we know we have our positional value in Christ. We know we're going to be in heaven with him. We know he's in control. Why do we still feel like this? Um, I was thinking about this earlier. And when you're in that already, but not yet, like post-justification, but you're still being sanctified, you still have to deal with the reality of like a post-Genesis 3 fall, fallen world, everything like that. So... You're not like you still get fat when you eat ice cream a lot. You still like there's so many things that are still wrong, like with our broken bodies. So we're not just because we believe in Jesus doesn't mean that people don't still pass away and our dogs still don't die and stuff like that. Mm. So it's just the reality of living. And we still have to live with the repercussions of our decisions mm -hmm. in the world today. Right. We still hurt people by accident mm -hmm. or on purpose. Sure. You know, and then that can create anxiety. So how would you guys talk to people that. Well, let's, let's first, let's talk about, cause it's, it's all throughout the Bible, right? I mean, the Don't Bible worry. instructs us on how to deal with anxiety, how to deal with worry, how to deal with problems, how to deal with depression. 
what can we give as some biblical instruction? And then we'll get to how we can actually practically implement that. Well, I mean, the scripture actually says that we are to, to kind of take charge of it. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God. And so these, once again, if, if we're projecting a future understanding of anxiety, if it's something that might happen tomorrow or, yeah, a job decision I have to, I think it encompasses all of this. I mean, it can be somebody who's listening or somebody who's dealing with somebody who's listening who is uh, – who is dealing with a disorder, like they're mm-hmm. dealing with a cloud over their souls. And we talk about the statistics, um, which we could go more into, but suffice to say, there's a lot of this going on outside the church and inside the church. There's a broad range. So there's people that are anxious about very small things. And then there are people who are constantly, when I mentioned earlier that mm-hmm. a third of Gen Z deals with anxiety, the stat is actually a third of Gen Z deal with constant anxiety, they say. So it's perpetual, it's ongoing, it's constant for them. And I think the the crazy thing, why we act, why we kind of focus in on the youngest generation right now, kind of age 17 to 25, is that they have more resources at their disposal than ever before. Mm-hmm. They have more self-help gurus available through media than ever before. Um, they have more access to truth, um, be it absolute truth or even mediums of truth, all truth being God's truth, than ever before. And yet they're the most anxious generation Ever. And so we have to talk about why that is. And and for me, I would love to kind of redirect to you, Mags, because one of the reasons I wanted you to be on here, other than that you're a great friend and a staff member here, is that you have dealt with and been open about through social media yourself yeah. and, and other channels, pretty debilitating anxiety mm-hmm. at times. So as a Christ follower whose, whose theology was strong, and the Lord, can you talk about kind of not just theoretically, but specific to you, how that settled upon you, like how, what, where you struggled? Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Am I I giving you anxiety right now? Uh, (laughs) I kind of knew what I was getting into. So the question is, how did it settle on my soul to go through that kind of I mean, how did you, how did you do battle there as a, I mean, as a believer who knows that it is well with my soul, that Christ has won the victory, that we're more than conquerors through him. And yet, living in this post-Genesis 3 world. Mm-hmm. Like for you, like what was your experience? What was the battle like within? I, I'm not there, but I'm talking with you a lot about yeah. it. So it definitely has gone in phases over time because when you struggle with like anxiety, that's not just like worry about finances or your rent or your family or whatever. And it goes deeper than that. And you, people will ask you like, why are you anxious? And you don't really know. That's when it starts to get like really with the heart issue and the head issue. And like, I like I thought I was a believer. Like, why am I still struggling with this? Like all that kind of stuff. And you can't really put words to that. So it would be it would settle on me and then I would freak out. I would go to counseling. I would go to my pastor. I would say this is what I'm, you know, struggling with or thinking I'm struggling with or just the craziest things that you can think in your head. And it's like you don't want like to go to God because your head is so full of everything but like truth because you're trying to figure out how you can fix it yourself. And then you start to question like, why would God allow me to go through this type of anxiety? Like I thought he was a God of peace and not confusion. I thought that if I did meditate on him, everything would get, you know, better, um, better mentally, (laughs) not in the world. Just all these kind of questions. And then you start to think like, okay, I must not be a believer. If I'm really struggling with this bad, I don't see anyone else struggling this bad. I sound anxious right now. (laughs) Well, do you think that's a, do you think that's a problem though? If, if our society has anywhere from 18 to 
33% of people are struggling with somewhat or constant anxiety, and yet no one's wanting to admit it. And everybody's kind of oh, yeah. posting this glossy life of everything's great and everything. Yeah. I mean, that can be, especially in the church, quite crippling, as mm-hmm. you're admitting. It definitely is. And so when somebody comes to you and they quote Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious for anything when you're anxious. I'm better. I'm cured. <laughs> I feel so good. I've got to walk in obedience, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I think, I think that that is, it's, I, for me, that's important because I'm not somebody who struggles with anxiety very much. So it's easy for me, as it might be easy for a lot of people listening, just to be like, hey, get it together. Like Jesus said in Sermon on the Mount. Like, don't be anxious for tomorrow. Yeah. Let, let tomorrow worry about itself. But yet these are real things that we struggle through. And the, and so many believers, especially who are struggling through this, they know the truth, but experientially they're struggling or failing to live in that mm-hmm. truth. I mean, is that what you, I'm guessing that's what you're seeing, Adam. Yeah, a lot. Okay. Uh, not only in our our people up in Sunrise Community Church, but in the mirror when I look in it. You know, if we're going to be really honest about what's going on, I mean, th- this is, I think, all-encompassing. I think everybody, to a certain degree, whether or not our general temperament goes there quicker than others or not, this is something that touches all of us. I think it's just part of the fallen world. And so, yeah. Yeah. So, we and we've talked a lot about different kinds of anxiety, what can bring it, what can cause it, sometimes feeling legitimate, like you're saying, if it's a finance issue, sometimes feeling like something's wrong with you because you can't actually point to what's making you feel anxious. Yeah. Is it sin? Is anxiety a sin? It Ever, can sometimes? Be. Okay, so let's dig into that. Why, how does it become sinful? What's sinful anxiety look like versus not sinful anxiety? I think the answer is it is always linked to sin just as a result of living in a broken world, hmm. like you mentioned. So, okay. so what I mean by that is while it is not necessarily the person's fault who is struggling with this, there's a couple avenues, as, as you mentioned earlier, Adam, that it's not their fault. It was either sin, though, committed to them. Mm-hmm. So someone who was traumatized as a child, that wasn't their fault that that happened to them. Or a wife who was abandoned or cheated on by her husband, that wasn't – I mean, obviously, we all have our issues, but that wasn't the wife's fault in that moment. And yet they're traumatized now and anxious because of something that's happened to them. So that is sin committed against them. Then you have the reality that we are living in this broken world. And oftentimes, a lot of the, not always, and I'm not a medical professional like the two men on either side of me, but, <laughs> but a lot of times the mental health disorders that exist were also the result of sin committed against somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, whether it was kind of hmm. what we would classify as a lighter sin, like abandonment of a, of a father or a mother you know, not feeling as though they are valued because someone treated them as less than whatever it but might how, be. How do you know if you're sinning, if you're feeling anxious yeah, so in I a think moment? That's I, like, I it's just, not, not necessarily yeah. indirectly linked to sin, but let's say like Maggie's sitting in a room reading and she's like, it's just not fixing it. I just, I still am worried about this. Then the other God's not taking control of that. I wish he would, but yeah. he won't. Now I'm annoyed at God. Yeah, or so those like, two avenues I think sin? have to be established that, man, if you're out there and you're battling anxiety, even depression, whatever, Sometimes it's not like it's the weight of this world with upon you. Other times, though, it is cause, and that's that's where we've also failed as the church. I think to call out that sin has consequence, and sometimes yeah. my personal sin brings anxiety upon my soul. Like my refusing to submit to and follow the the will of the Lord. Also, as Adam mentioned, in a slightly more ambiguous sense, my refusal to trust the yeah. goodness and faithfulness and providence of God can also bring about that anxiety, heavy anxiety. And for me personally, I would say that 95%, 
And Peter will say amen to this, I'm sure. But 95% of my anxiety that I've experienced in life has been my own fault, has been things that I've done, uh, th things amen. that I've said. I haven't really been the victim of that as much as I've been the culprit. That needs Wait, to be so is Peter going to agree that... 95% of his stuff is your fault. Yeah, 95% of my anxiety is, is caused by <laughs> Yes, that's, that's probably um, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Everybody raise your hand. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Peter's might be legit, but so, you, Max. So, yeah, okay. and I, I, have, I want to talk a little bit about some differences, oh, too, because I think it's important, right, the difference yeah. between fear and anxiety, right? So, like, a fear of public speaking or I'm afraid to go on this roller coaster. I'm afraid. That's different than the anxiety we're talking about that can be crippling yeah. and just kind of everything seems a certain way when you're anxious, right? Like mm -hmm. it's not just the one thing you're dealing with, but it's like now going to church gives you anxiety. Going to work gives you anxiety. Hanging out with your friends gives you anxiety. Not just, I don't want to go up the stairs to this roller coaster. It's just that one thing I can do anything else and I'm fine. That's different, right? Yeah. So when you were dealing with it, Maggie, and specifically like in your in your your own head and your own house, when you're sitting there trying to fix it biblically, did you feel like you were in sin when you continued to have the anxious thoughts or be anxious about what was around you or how did it make you feel as far as like connecting it to sin? Yeah. So I would try to go through what you and Aaron were just talking about. And I would always ask myself, am I living in sin? Like, am I doing perpetual sin that is going to bring this anxiety on my life because I'm not at peace with the Lord because of my disobedience? But then I would go through that and I'd go through that and I'm like, I'm not doing like X, Y, and Z things that I used to do that, you know, would bring this on. Mm -hmm. So then what's the issue? And then that is when I either went to the crossroads of like, okay, maybe I just don't have peace with the Lord because I've never been justified. Like I'm just mm -hmm. not right with the Lord at all yet. Um, maybe I was like pretending or thought I was, but wasn't, or I am. And this is a result of the fall. And I actually have like a chemical imbalance or whatever you want to call it in my brain. That's like making everything feel scary. That's totally not even scary. So what would you guys say? How would you how would you counsel people going through things like that where they're I mean, it sounds like she's anxious about her faith too. Like that's what was one of the big which is really nothing more to be anxious about, right? Because that's the biggest the thing. ultimate issue and that's yeah. the ultimate ending and the eternal consequence. That's one thing I would say is oh, like we're not naturally at least at least I'm not unnaturally an encouraging person. It's easier as a as kind of a prophet to stand up and go, this is wrong. You need to get it right. Like mm -hmm. Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious for anything. It's way different to say, hey, look, are you resting in Christ? Are you trusting in Christ? Are you looking to Christ? Also, I've heard times where Maddie would come in and just kind of admit something going on. I, I would say that's a completely appropriate response yeah. to when, when something kind of fearful faces us or heavy faces mm -hmm. us. It's not always wrong to get back to your earlier question, Peter. It's not always right, wrong to feel sure. some level of anxiety or weight. I don't think so. And so I would tell Maggie, okay, that's appropriate. And then I would also tell Maggie, this over here where you're going is not legit. Like you can't just go there. You can't project that that's what's going to happen because this thing over here is happening. Yeah. And I think so speaking honestly, speaking encouragingly, I mean, Powers, you are, we've acknowledged this many times, you are my better half as far as much more <laughs> gentle and gracious and That's loving, cute. encouraging. Um, Maddie, two weeks ago, said he's your boy. Like, mm. y'all are boys. So <laughs> how would you, though, because I know, like, when they're coming into you, like, how would you instruct somebody who's listening, who's maybe dealing with somebody who is battling depression, anxiety, a heaviness of the soul? Like, where, what steps would you kind of give them? I ultimately, uh, starting with the end in mind, Romans 8.28 is where I want to end. It's not where I want to begin. 
right? It's usually not the best beginning point to say all things are working for good. Just trust, trust the Lord. He's, he's the king, trust him. I want to end there, but I think that the route to end at that destination is to be reminded of the character of God. And so if we don't know and we're not reminding ourselves and not resting in and not continually growing in our knowledge of the character of God, we're never going to trust really the purposes of God in everyday life. And so, for, for example, Psalm 112 and 113 are two places I, I take people quite, quite often in this. One, 113 is titled, Who is like the Lord our God? And just every verse for nine verses, the Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who's like the Lord our God? Seated on high, looks from far down, raises the poor, lifts the needy. And then once you know that, all of a sudden you can arrive at the conclusion of, I think Psalm 112 verse seven, knowing the Lord, I am not afraid of bad news. My heart is firm, trusting the Lord. And so I think one follows the other. If we don't know the character of God and who he is, we won't trust God. And I think the more, whether it's someone trying to help somebody or someone trying to seek help for themselves, kind of like what you were saying, Maggie, you, 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 you were having all these thoughts about God, mm-hmm. but not His coming character. to the yeah. word of God. And you're just kind of doing it up here. And so often I've, I've found trying to encourage people, sometimes you just got to get, get out of your head and go to scripture and lean into that and just read that and we're not Christians by emptying our mind. We're Christians by those who fill mm. our mind with the truth. Yeah, and definitely. not that that's, you know, the end all be all, but that's how we fight this. Because the, the only time I ever went through like a really colossally dark season, and I've talked about this on the podcast, like I just went to the Psalms and kind of lived there yeah. for yeah. months, like, you know, and, uh, and that was just kind of a reassurance. And it's Psalms, like they, they get a bad rap kind of in Christianity, I feel like, because it's almost like they, it's, they're looked upon as trite or something, and they're not at all. Says like, who? Says people, I guess. At least that's <laughs> the feeling I get from people when I'm like, go oh, to the Psalms. They're like, no, what about Romans? And I'm like, no, the Psalms are just as robust as Romans. Like, Head and heart. You know, Head yeah. and heart. And, right. and well, it's, it's like David's pretty honest about the human condition throughout Psalms. Yeah. That sure. we don't have the answer within us. Right. And then, but he's also like, you just see over and over and over again, you get why these were battle cries of the church mm-hmm. throughout the centuries, like the different Psalms. Yeah. Maddie, you have, over the last year, you've grown immensely. I'm sure you see that. Other mm-hmm. people acknowledge that, especially yeah. in, the, in this area, but in many areas, but in this area, what would you say? Like, so Adam's maybe was talking to the person who's counseling the person who's anxious. If you just speak like directly to the people who are anxious, like, what brought you through that? I mean, I know you still struggle with it at yeah. times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I know you still struggle, <laughs> like right now. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah. Me too. But what kind of brought you through that? Yeah. What has soothed your soul? I have eight things. Hey. Can we, I say we them? We want to hear all Got of it. them. So I we're can here say for, them? We're here okay. for all eight. First thing that I would say, please go to biblical counseling, even if you don't think you need it. Amen. Can I say that on Amen. here? Sure. Yeah. 100%. Okay, good. Most people <laughs> don't think they need it. I think the, the key word there is biblical. Biblical. You know, like, like, like not just like a, pre, a, a pep talk, which, no, no, which no. good friendships is is solid. And and there can certainly be help in the psychology realm. But biblical counseling, mm-hmm. I mean, that goes back to what Adam was saying too. It's just somebody directing you to the character of God over and over again. Yeah. His faithfulness to you, his love for you, uh, his valuation of you while you were a sinner and while mm-hmm. we still struggle with that. Um, so 
Anyway, I, I love it. I think yeah. that's perfect because I think a lot of people go to non-biblical counseling too quickly and they try to find, like if you go to a psychiatrist or psychologist first, they might try to find reasons that are not going to be as eternally helpful yeah. to you as oh, for biblical sure. counseling. Like, or they so, go to like Barnes and Noble and try to walk them down and find a book that's going to solve all their yeah. problems. Yeah, we have a book. We do have that. Whether it's a personality but, test yeah. or yeah. not, right? Yeah. Nothing wrong with personality tests. But. <laughs> What's right, going right, on right, going right. there? Let's not get track. Number, Number two. two. Number two. <laughs> find good godly mentors to surround yourself with. Yeah. So that goes beyond biblical counseling because mm. that's who you do life every day with. So just to be clear, yes. that was find mentors. Yeah, good godly counsel as friends. And I think, I'm, I'm just trying to add into this do to like help, help us all out here. But I think it needs to be somebody kind of in close proximity of your life yes. to a certain extent. So trying to run to a person that's in mind, a figurehead, um, might not be like the easiest route. But try, but looking at what your do you mean kind of, by figurehead? Like like okay, so looking at a pastor that you respect, maybe he's your pastor, maybe it's another pastor, or looking at a counselor that you respect, mm. or looking at a woman that you know of and are like, hey, I really respect that person. Mm. They might have the bandwidth to do that. But I'm yeah. talking like looking within, like for me anyway. Uh, for those I'm close to, I would tell them, look within like your circle already. Mm. And who are the two or three people within your circle mm. who could rise up as mentors in, yeah. in the gospel for you? Because you already have that access. They already yeah. know you. They already care for you. It's not, you know, it's it's not it's something extra. And God so I, might I, already be caring for you through some of these yes. people. Yeah. So right. who, who's yeah. already caring and maybe then going to them intentionally, I think, which I think I encourage you to do yeah. and say, I need this on a more proactive level. I'm getting a lot from you. Can you, you know, pour into me intentionally yeah. with, mm-hmm. with gospel mentorship? Because the biblical counseling is kind of like a third party. They can like see outside, but the people that know you, they know your boyfriend, they know your husband, they know your whatever, and they know you and they know your personality. They can see things differently too. So you kind of need all that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Love it. Number, Um, Number three. Number three. When you are in that state, don't let the anxiousness, the fear, the stress, the guilt, the shame, whatever, drive you away from God. And then coupled with that is four. If you don't have the desire to go to God, pray for that desire to come back. Don't just like jump ship. Yeah, that's good. I think that I think all of that is really good because we've talked a lot about our Christianity while the feelings, the emotions of Christianity are good, the heart of Christianity is good, yeah. that there has to be a rootedness within Christianity that huh. even when I don't feel loved or valued or accepted, I still am. Like even when my children, your children, Pete, your children, even when there's a moment where you have to get on to them, where you have to, you know, come down on them, where you mm. have to discipline, instruct them, and they don't feel that love. This happens with the Evie a lot. It happened a lot with Evie this week, where that she doesn't feel loved. She doesn't feel like she's my girl. She's still my girl. Like I still love her. And we have to understand that, that even when we get in our own head, even when we sin or we're the victims of someone else's sin or just the reality of living in a broken world, we can start to feel that our reality is not reality. But our reality, if we've trusted in Jesus, is that we're valued and loved and cared for. And so it's important. It's an important fact also we talked about with like guilt on other episodes, not to make it to where you just run the other way. Mm -hmm. It's like anxiety, same thing, not jump ship and just be done because you're anxious and give up kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's important. I agree. Good, Mags. Number five. Number five. I don't know. We're not really talking about medicine, but I would say if you do need it for a season and you're comfortable with that and people have prescribed it to you, then maybe take it. 
Yeah, I, I want to say amen to that. Yeah. There's the Don't re- be scared of it because I didn't for a long time. Oh, yeah. But sorry. No, Keep I was going to say there's some ridiculousness out there where it says if you take medicine, you're not really living by faith. But those same people will take Tylenol for headaches. <laughs> but they're not living by faith. Right. Or, apparently. <laughs> or insulin if they're diabetic. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've always said that. You, you would not tell a, a diabetic Ooh. to not Yikes. take insulin. Yeah. There are, just like there are physical disorders, mm-hmm. there are mental disorders that need to be properly diagnosed. Yeah. And yes, our, our sin committed to us or sin that we're conducting could could be instrumental in upping the ante when it comes to those disorders. But there yeah. are things that people do need um, medicine for, which will be a great segue into an episode that's coming up on Christian smoking weed. But anyway, that's not for today. <laughs> oh, my I, God. I, so I just, I'm not, not, to be, not, to, not to be a pushback on this topic, because I don't, I don't really need to get, get into all of this. But no, let's. I do think there is a, where I would be nowhere near the people Adam was talking about, um, who think it's sinful to take medication at all for anything that you need. I do think that this is way different than insulin for a diabetic or Tylenol for a headache, just in that it can do serious damage. People can become over-medicated and they can make bad decisions in that realm. And it happens a lot more often than somebody dying of a Tylenol overdose, which does happen. There was actually a football player that died from taking too much Advil and painkillers. But- but um, if you're doing the that, other that was things, that's what you're doing. Exactly, okay. If you're doing it in that conjunction and in that order, yeah. then you should be yeah. good. As opposed to number one, starting with that's this, it. then that could be a domino effect. That's so I good. do think in conjunction, yeah. it yeah. is on point. It yeah. definitely just took want to put that back. Like put that out there. two years for me to get on medicine because I didn't want to. And I'm mm. not saying anybody has to wait two years. Oh yeah, I'm just saying go with caution. Yes, research, talk to people, talk multiple doctors. Don't just go to one doctor and take their. You know. This is just something I would yeah. I would hope people are cautious on because I see way too many kids that are yeah. on like ADHD medication. Yeah. It's like a billion percent more than when you were a kid. Oh, for sure. And, and yeah. yet we're the same thing. Like Children I for are sure way have worse ADD. today than they were in the 80s though. So. <laughs> but I'm just we, saying like, yeah. that's just, <laughs> it, it's just people are being over-medicated and it's over-diagnosed and mm-hmm. stuff is all I'm saying. But yes, for sure, as you're going through this list and when yeah. you need it, take it. I think why I have such a strong reaction positively to this, while I agree with Peter in that, like there can become a dependency upon it, an addiction to it, an overindulgence, whatever. Um, all that's legitimate. Is I did I had I did grow up in the kind of more strict Baptist reform circles, and then there's also kind of not to throw anybody under the bus, but there's other branches of Christen- Christendom, um, especially in kind of some of the more Pentecostal and Charismatic background, that would say for one reason or another, medicine is either always bad or almost always bad, yeah. and I don't think that that's. Legitimate. I think once again, we talked about God has given us all things yep. that are right and good. He's the author of all truth. And if that would be medicinal truth as well. And so. And the people that say like, if you have enough faith, you can heal anything or you're sick because you don't have enough faith. Go look to Jesus because he died and, young. And, and, I think and he listen to faith. our Eagle song about the episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, it just doesn't make it, I hate that type of stuff. So oh, wait. I'm on seven. Man, I'm confused. Don't let I'm it drive I'm you away anxious. from God. What was five and six then? Five was... Oh, I skipped five. Okay. Oh, I'm right. so sorry. Hey, you know what? You're loved, you're valued, yes. you're appreciated. So. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Number five, it goes to what we're doing in staff renewal. Like ever since I started taking more time to be quiet and have a Sabbath. <laughs> Wait, is that what Aaron told the staff? Take no, we're reading quiet. a book. We're reading. We're, <laughs> we're reading. We need to try this. Theologically, we wouldn't be where Comer is on everything no. for sure. Jeff's no. not with but, him on anything. <laughs> yeah, well, but John Mark Comer did write a really good book. It's a handy book, He's very practical. On you know, called the ruthless elimination of hurry. We've yeah. been going through it as a staff. We we eat the meat and we spit out the bones, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I always tell them with any author. That is, I mean, like except the Bible. 
Oh, of, of course. There's, yeah. there's, <laughs> all, there's only meat and the bones are edible in the Bible. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, Comer just really presses the idea of Sabbath. As, as a biblical principle and even for him a conviction. So we've just been encouraging the staff to take time. And I think that's when we talk about, before you get into point seven and eight here for us, when we talk about the issues of our day and why, I mean, I, th- I think there's plenty that's been said about why Gen Z is the most anxious, but millennials are, are right behind them, very anxious. And then just in general, our society is anxious. We live in a world of comparison now. Like we live in a world with social media driving so much. It is, well, your vacation wasn't as good as that person's vacation, yeah. or your wife is not as pretty as this person's wife, or your job is not as cool and fun as this, or your staff is not. Like, like there's this always constant comparison. And what we see, and we talked about this many times, and we'll talk about it more this season, but what we see on social media is not legitimate most of the time. It's it's a at, at best it's just the good snapshots of somebody's life that they're <laughs> wanting to throw up there for memory's sake and so their family can see. And at worst, it's a complete smokescreen. I mean, it has been proven. I mean, you you listen to the talks from Simon Sinek, you read. I mean, there's tons of resources out there on anxiety. It's been proven that social media ups phone use, ups anxiety, mm-hmm. and so that's once again Sorry, not doing. <laughs> not throwing the baby out with the bathwater and yeah. saying we can't use our phones and we can't have social media um, if we have the liberty of doing so. But but it's it's the idea of asking ourselves the tough questions. Is this stuff actually bringing about more ill yeah. than good? Yep. And so the idea of Sabbath that Comer pushes forward is getting off your phone for 24 hours mm. and not being on that from Friday night to Saturday. I know some people say, I can't do it. And I get that for some people. I think others are just saying that because they don't want to get off yeah. like media and phone and actually be present with their family and friends. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, but that that can, our busyness, our comparison, media, um, you know, the news, all these things can, are catalysts actually to bring about more anxiety in our lives. So, yeah. yeah. And then he also presses like more silence in your life. So it's like, I noticed I would always be playing music at my house. I would always play music in the car. I would always like have something on in the background and you don't have time to decompress and like be alone with your thoughts to kind of like figure out what's going on. Hmm. And I didn't, I'm not saying like pharisaical or whatever, like you can never listen to music, but I'm like very careful now. Like I don't just start my day with like watching reels on Instagram and like filling my head with all this noise, you know? Number seven. Number seven. Share often and be vulnerable because you never know like who it's going to impact and who needs to hear about like what God's doing in your life and how you're getting through like this season and stuff like that. Because if you don't talk about it and you're experiencing it, you won't find commonality with anyone. Yeah. And you'll think that you're cuckoo. I mean, there's a (laughs) – there. There is, and I appreciate that a lot. I'm all about like dropping the veneer and being honest. I also think that – some people, whether they're anxiety driven or they have other struggles, that we have to we have to learn. Myself included, with this, we have to learn when it is appropriate, appropriate setting, okay, appropriate yeah. audience. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because we, we need to hear both that. Yes, there is yeah, an asterisk yeah. on that. But by and large, I agree with what you're saying. If like if we always pretend like we're not struggling with these things we're struggling with, not only are we doing a disservice to our own souls, but I think we're doing a disservice to yeah. others who we could be helping to to walk through those tough mm-hmm. issues. I do think some of those are potentially more pointed at you, you know, Mm -hmm. like what you needed and what's necessary for you. Some people may need some other things, you know, whatever it may be. But I think it's a good general, the the overall point is do some Mm self-reflection and figure out what you can do practically like that, because those are all things you can control. 
That's oh, a, yeah. one of the hard things about anxiety is there's so much you feel like you can't control. Mm. And another hard thing about anxiety is personal experience from from my perspective is when you don't struggle with it, it's really hard to talk to somebody who is it's, or like try tough. to like in my head, all I'm thinking is just just stop. Get over yeah, it. Like just stop. believe that God's yeah. in control. I don't know why can't and it, it's really hard. <laughs> and it's like I don't do that on purpose, but yeah. like if my wife's anxious about something, sometimes it's really hard to talk about it to where I'm not like annoying or like a jerk because I don't <laughs> get it. You know, mm. it is something that like, if you don't experience it, it is hard to talk about. So I really like, my favorite part about that is you do self-reflection. You think about what you need, make a list and make sure you can go through that list and make sure you're working towards, because you, I feel like it helps to feel like you do have some control over, like I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to to work through the steps. Definitely. Mm. I had a couple other things to throw in. Some some of the points you covered, I think can't be pressed strongly enough. The mentorship idea, um, living life alongside other Christians who can help and encourage. And conversely, what I had is don't feed the anxiety. Don't fuel that. Yeah. And so once again, we talked about social media. But we also talked about just like holistic health a little bit as far as like get enough sleep. And, um, you know, <laughs> for like, real. like for real, Eat like just get, maybe healthy. like phone use is tied yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like all, all of that is yeah. like, are you are you living healthy? Are you eating healthy? Are you, you know, and and that that should sound very almost humanistic to somebody, yeah. but the Lord is the one who's designed us to live mm-hmm. in a certain way. And I notice when I am, when I'm not, I don't struggle with anxiety, but I struggle with irritability. Uh, right? Yeah. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Misery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the, and when, when I don't get enough sleep, sleep yeah, or I don't eat or don't yeah, exercise, just I'm sense. just miserable yes. and irritable. Yeah. Exactly. And when you're living on caffeine, you're yeah. a little yes. bit quicker to yes. bite at other yes. people. Yeah. So I think, I think it's very important yeah. to say, what is fueling this? Hmm. You know, maybe, maybe not what's causing it. Maybe there is an internal struggle there, sin committed yeah. against you. And so you're wrestling through that. But don't don't allow social media or unhealth or time away from the word or the church. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah. Regularly being injured. There's so many people struggling with anxiety over the last year, and yet they've been out of church mm, for either time. completely or consistently for the last 15 months. It's and they're time like, why? to come back. Yeah. Why am I so anxious? Why am I so filled with fear or depression yeah. or gloom? or darkness, come back to the church, like yep. get plugged back in, or why am I so irritable or angry, whatever it might be. Like there's a place like the Lord has ordained health for the body. He's ordained the word to instruct us and inform us and transform us. He's ordained the church that yeah. come along beside us. And so yeah. when we neglect these, people don't like the word discipline, but when we neglect these discipline, like if I, like if I ate all the time, like we ate over in, we were in Kissimmee this week. And it wasn't like me and my wife would walk talking the way back. And it's like, we never overate, but you just kind of ate what you wanted to eat. Like if you wanted a donut in the morning, you grabbed a donut. If you like, and okay, so you're on vacation. I, I don't, I don't necessarily see an issue with that. But if, if we ate like that all the time, we cannot expect to wake up in the morning and feel good and function well yeah. and for our right. minds to be sharp. And it's the same way biblically. I've always compared it to that. If we are not training our souls, like if we're not in the word and among the saints and in prayer, which we haven't really talked about, like actually praying through these oh things gosh. and good counsel and mentorship and, you know, and saying no to the, that which fuels it, then we can't ever hope to like live in successful Christian victory over anxiety or really any other thing that we struggle with. So um, I would say definitely don't fuel the anxiety. And then even last week, like I was meeting with some of the gospel church, some of the leaders even, and they were like, how do we go from, we were talking in the realm of the gospel in relation to personality tests, but they were like, how do we live in health? And I was just like, look, it's not that complicated. 
Like there has to be like continual gospel saturation in our lives. Like we can't just be people who talk about the gospel or people who say we're gospel centered. Like there has to be a daily going back to the gospel, like remembering that we are justified by Jesus, not by our merit. And that even now he doesn't qualify us or look more kindly or graciously upon us because we do what we're supposed to do and don't do what we're supposed to do. Um, He's motivating us and filling us to be sanctified and to live for him. But I just think we have to return truly to the gospel all the time in these things. Otherwise, we're if, if, we're, if we start buying the mindset of there's got to be more that we can bring to the table than this. And all these things are gospel concepts that you brought up, Max, I would say. Um, and so we talk about the gospel. We're not just talking about justification by faith, but we're talking about the truth that God has given us, the good news that he has given us to bring us to himself in justification and to preserve us in sanctification. Adam, anything you want to Wait, add to this? Let oh. me go one more thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What I was going to say, all these like eight things that I list or whatever, those are coming from like a biblical like foundation for yeah. my, where how I was living my life. Like I wasn't like neglecting my prayer life you know, all the time or whatever. I wasn't not reading my Bible. I wasn't not connected to the local church. So those are things that like, I don't right. want to Geared be over. You. Right. Yeah. I don't want it to be like, oh, swept under the rug. Like we don't even address that kind of stuff like yeah. prayer and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Like those are the things you have to do first, even if you don't have anxiety, like those regular spiritual disciplines. Yeah, I think it's easy to like to use an analogy to go to the mirror the next morning after you use teeth whitener and brush your teeth once and be like, why aren't my teeth shining? Yeah. Instead of understanding this is going to take months long discipline. Yeah. We're going to the gym once and the next morning waking up and not being swole. Yeah. You're like, what's going on? I'm not looking like, it's more like the fitness journey. Oh it's like the fitness journey. That's yes, what's there's really a, yeah. Yes. There's a, because it's like, okay, I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm going to do all these eight things that Maggie said. Well, there has to be like a consistency yeah. to feeding our soul and dwelling on the word and being in the gospel and being in community. Yeah. Um, and over time, and I think that's what it was for you. Like, because mm -hmm. I would give you this counsel and you'd be in the word and you'd be in prayer. But over time, your soul just became more robust as you practice the disciplines of godliness, which a lot of people don't like to talk about, but mm. it are biblical. Yeah. Amen. The heart of Jesus just reaches into this, I think, in very nourishing and comforting ways. Uh, we, we tend to think, I think Matt Chandler said it years and years ago, but we tend to just do our Christian life as if God is just generally disappointed with us. And we're almost, we, we live life as if, you know, we're not sons and daughters of the King, but we're kind of employees who haven't really done our job well. And we're on the threat of being fired all the time. And yet we open the gospels and we see a friend in Jesus, who's not just a friend, but our brother is not just a friend and brother, but he's the King. And uh, Joseph Scriven, long time ago, said, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. As encouraging as that is, it ought to be instructive and alarming to us that the opposite is just as true. When we don't go to him in prayer and carry these things to him, we continue to bear them. And we need to remember that our idea of God as the, as the father who's just generally disappointed with us is not the God of scripture. There's a quote right over there. His, his love for us is restless in its determination and everything that is wrong with us, he is determined to cure us of all things in the end. And so we may be plagued with these things for 
this life, for its season in this life, for the whole entirety of our life. But we long for the day when we'll be set free from these things and we'll be able to live as we have always been uh, intended to live. I know we're about out of time, but do you know the story of Joseph Scriven? I don't think I do. I don't. Okay, so that's that's encouraging because I think when we think of these writers, these hymn writers, uh, the theologians of the past. Well, good. Like, quote came like, from somewhere. Yeah, no, no, it's great. <laughs> no, no. But he was like, he's like, we we think of them as like impeccable and so strong oh, yeah. and robust. Yeah. Joseph Stribben was robust in his faith, but mm. he was a guy who lost his fiance. I think at the age of nineteen, she drowned in an accident. He was saddled with health difficulties his entire life. He actually wrote that while he was facing death on a bed from, it was like pneumonia or something where he had been bedridden, couldn't move. And his friend came over. Actually, I think it, I think it might've even been post-death that the note was found by his bedside. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything in prayer. And so when we think about this, it might be easy to look at somebody and be like, I don't know who Joseph Scriven is and think, well, he was probably just a strong Christian. He never had to deal with anxiety. He dealt with this. Uh, The writer of Come Thou Fount dealt with this. The writer of It Is Well dealt with this stuff. I mean, like- Spurgeon too, right? Yeah, Spurgeon dealt with depression and and Mm. anxiety and constant, all these golden quotes we have from him about this stuff. Frodo had his Samwise. (laughs) <laughs> Frodo, Frodo. Uh, no, it's true. But anyway, so hopefully this is an encouragement to anybody who's listening today. Amen. Um, hopefully you find a good, solid community of believers that yeah. you can plug into. For you sure. find good mentorship and and biblical counseling if you're struggling with this stuff. Maddie, great job. Thanks for being with Thanks, us. Great Thanks for having uh, awesome. me. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. Superpowers as always. Pete, you're looking good over there, man. Till next so, time. Till next time. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.